Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. If you listen to Talkback Radio at all here on, uh, in Melbourne, uh, somewhere on a Friday, you'll usually hear someone say, thank God it's Friday. Yeah, you ever heard that? Or maybe around the office, thank God it's Friday, which basically means the work week is over and the weekend's coming and we can party and play and relax and chill and kind of put work behind us. It's, it's a very common phrase in our society. Just a little tip, you'll probably never hear a pastor say, thank God it's Friday. <laughs> Especially a youth pastor, because Friday's the busiest day of the week, as many of our youth groups get ready to look after hundreds of teenagers. And uh, just for your awareness, this weekend we have 12 church services that we're uh, hosting across the weekend. So we are excited about the weekend, but thank God it's Friday. Uh, the weekend's coming and it's a really busy time. But for, for many, uh, uh, Friday's kind of the end of the week and we can kind of put it behind us and move on. And especially if you've had a bad week or a tough day, um, you know, Friday's just a way to kind of maybe move on from that challenge. Uh, I heard a funny story uh, many, many years ago. Maybe you've heard it too. And it, it kind of illustrates uh, how a day can be really tough. Uh, this was a guy who'd injured himself and um, he'd had to make an insurance claim. And uh, he, he, on the insurance claim, he just simply wrote, I lost my presence of mind. That, that's all he wrote. Uh, of course, his injuries were he had a fractured skull, he had severe lacerations on his hands, his legs had been broken, and uh, you know, so the insurance company wanted a little bit more detail, just saying you lost your presence of mind. You know, what, what actually happened? So this is the letter he wrote. I'll read it out to you. It goes like this. I'm a bricklayer by trade. On the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a six-story building. When I completed my work, I discovered I had about 250 kilograms of bricks left over. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel using a pulley over the wall, which which was fortunately attached to the side of the building where I was working on the sixth floor level. Securing the rope at the ground level, I went up to the roof, I swung the barrel out, and I loaded the bricks into the barrel. Then I went back down to the ground floor. I untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure the slow descent of 250 kilograms of bricks. (laughs) You'll notice on the report that I weigh 80 kilograms. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the ground so suddenly, as I told you, I lost my presence of mind. I forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, at a rather rapid rate, I proceeded up the side of the building. Somewhere around the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. (laughs) This explains the fractured skull and the broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Some of you are feeling this. Uh, This explains the lacerations on my hand. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind. I was tightly holding on to the rope in spite of all that happened. However, at approximately the same time, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Having lost the weight of 250 kilograms of bricks, the barrel now weighed only 20 kilograms. I refer again to the report that I weigh 80 kilograms. As you might imagine, I rapidly began to descend down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel (laughs) as it was coming up. 
This counts, accounts for the two fractured ankles and lacerations on my legs and lower body and a broken leg. But the encounter with the barrel didn't slow me down enough to lessen my injuries when I fell onto the pile of bricks <laughs> at the bottom of the building. Fortunately, only three vertebrae were crushed. I'm sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the pile of bricks in pain, unable to stand and watching the empty barrel six stories above me, I again lost my presence of mind and let go of the rope. And you thought you had a bad day. I heard another one uh, just a couple of years ago from a Florida newspaper. Uh, a man was working on his motorcycle on his patio, and his wife was in the house in the kitchen. And the man was racing the engine of the motorcycle, as guys are prone to do. And, and somehow the motorbike slipped into gear, and the man still holding the handlebars was dragged through the glass patio door, and the motorcycle dumped onto the floor inside of the house. The wife, hearing the crash, ran into the dining room and found her husband laying on the floor, cut, bleeding, the motorcycle laying next to him, and the patio door shattered. Well, she ran to the phone and she called an ambulance. Because they lived on a fairly large hill, the wife had to go down several flights of long stairs to the street to meet the paramedics. And uh, so after the, the, the ambulance arrived, they transported the husband uh, down the stairs and off to the hospital. So the wife is home, uh, and so she uprights the motorcycle and pushed it, uh, pushed it outside through the broken patio door. And she noticed there was a lot of petrol on the floor area, so she got some paper towels, and she uh, mopped up the petrol, and she threw the towels into the toilet. The husband was treated in hospital and was released to come home. True story, Florida newspaper. The husband was treated in hospital, released to come home. Uh, he, he gets home, and he looks at the shattered patio door, and the damage done to his motorcycle, and he's, he became despondent. So he went into the bathroom, he sat on the toilet, and he started smoking a cigarette. <laughs> after, there's a lesson, there's a moral to this story. Uh, after finishing the cigarette, he flicked it between his legs <laughs> into the toilet bowl while still seated. The wife who was in the kitchen heard a loud explosion and her husband screaming. She ran into the bathroom, found her husband laying on the floor. His trousers had been blown away. He was suffering burns on his buttocks, the back of his legs, and his groin. The wife went to the phone and called the ambulance. The same ambulance crew was dispatched, and his wife met them at the street. The paramedics went up to the house and they loaded the husband on a stretcher and began carrying him down the steps to the street. While they were going down the stairs to the street, accompanied by the wife, one of the paramedics said, what, what, what happened? How did your husband end up so burned? She told them the story and the paramedics started laughing so loudly that one of them tipped the stretcher and dumped the husband out. And he fell down the remaining steps and broke his ankle. And you thought you had a bad day. Some of you are feeling better about your week already. Thank God it's Friday. Well, today, take a big breath. Today, we can truly say, thank God it's Friday. 
Not because there's a weekend coming, and there is. Not because even if you had a tough week like those stories, you can move on from it. We can truly say, thank God it's Friday, because today is a day of great news, good news that we celebrate because of what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. Actually, over three days, a very painful, suffering Friday on that cross a long, confusing Saturday where disciples were asking what just happened and what in the world is God doing, and then a surprising, joyful resurrection Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days that changed the world forever. And so today we can truly say, thank God it's Friday because of the good news that Friday brings to us. And so today we want to talk about that good news. And I think if there's one place in the Bible, in the sacred scriptures that encapsulates the good news of this Friday, it's found in John 3, 16. John 3, 16. Uh, Some of you may have never heard this before. Some of you may have heard it many times. Some of you may have even memorized it. We're putting it up on the screen and I'd really love for you to just say this sentence. One sentence, 26 words. It's pretty short. How about we say this in unison together this morning. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Very short, very brief. You can memorize it. Very simple and yet in many ways profound. Solid in that it's been around for 2,000 years And people's lives have been changed by believing and responding to this sentence. It begins with God and it ends with life. And it invites us to do the same. If you've heard nothing about Jesus, nothing about Christianity, this is a great place to start. If you've heard everything, you've celebrated many Easter's, this is actually a great place to return and remind ourselves of the good news. It's God's answer to the human problem. God loves, God gives, we believe, we live. It's the essence, if you were, of the the gospel, the good news. It was written by a man named John. John was uh, one of Jesus' followers while Jesus was here on earth. He was probably the closest disciple to Jesus. And unlike Matthew, Mark, and Luke, who wrote their gospels fairly shortly after Jesus' time on earth, uh, John wrote his gospel uh, quite late when he was probably about 80 years of age, he had many decades to think about and reflect on who Jesus was and is. And then he wrote this gospel. And uh, this sentence so powerfully summarizes the good news of Jesus. It's a sentence that you can just read so quickly and move on and say, yeah, I've got it. But but today in our few minutes together, I want us just to slow down. And we're going to unpack the words in this powerful sentence and just go a little deeper And think about what the gospel means for us here today. It begins with for God. You know, today there's a lot of debates about whether God exists or not. And militant atheism is making a lot of noise. Maybe maybe God is just a kind of a wish fulfillment or a projection because we're needy people. There's a lot of debates about the existence of God. You know, for the ancients, they they didn't doubt that there was a God. They just assumed God is. They would look up at the night sky and if you keep counting, there's about 100 billion stars up there. And they would just start thinking, you know, if you see a house, probably means that there's a builder somewhere that built that house. If you see a work of art, there's probably an artist somewhere that actually crafted that handiwork. If, if you hear a song, 
there's got to be a composer somewhere. And so just logically, they'd look at the stars and go, stars are there, there must be a star maker. Creation exists, so there must be a creator. Just look up, it's pretty simple. They would also look in, and they noted on the inside of every human being, no matter where they live on planet Earth, no matter what age or race or cultural background, inside every human there's this sense of right and wrong. You see it in kids. They know right from early days it's right to help and it's wrong to hurt. They may not always follow that code. And us big kids aren't always that much better. But in the human heart, there's this code, there's this uh, kind of conscience, if you will, that tells us there's a right thing to do and there's a wrong thing to do. It's almost like a fingerprint upon our heart that reflects the fact that if there's this law on the inside of me, then there must be a law giver or someone who's put that there as part of the very human psyche. And so the ancients would look up and they'd look in and they say, there must be a God. If you see creation, you look up, you think, well, what is God like? Well, he's got to be great. He's got to be powerful because look at this amazing world. And then you look in and you see the, the right and the wrong and the conscience. And although you often do what you know is right, you don't. And sometimes you, you, you don't, fo- sorry, you do what you know is wrong. You don't always do what you know is right. Uh, you look inside, and you go, well, well, God actually must be holy. God must be great. God must be holy. But, but is that good news for us? If God's great, if God's holy, how does he actually feel about the world? And so that's why this next word is so surprising. For God so loved. Loved. That's amazing. I mean, I think we'd all admit we haven't done a great job with the planet. We're supposed to be stewards of this planet. We haven't been looking after it really well. And we don't always treat each other really well. Look at the wars and the animosity. And you think as this great and holy God looks at the world, maybe it should say for God was frustrated with the world. God was annoyed with the world. or God was angry with the world. You'd think that would be the message if you actually look at how we're doing as a, as a planet. And yet John boldly declares, for God so loved. God, God loves the world. And later on he talks about God being like a father. And you know, I'm, I'm a dad, have uh, three kids, uh, all young adults now. Josiah, Ashley, and Natasha, we had lunch together as a family last Sunday with our two beautiful daughters-in-law. And uh, if you asked me what I thought about my kids, what I think about them, I would, without a hesitation, say, I love my kids. They are amazing. If you lined up all the kids in the world, I would pick those three. I I love them so much. Now, if you then said, have they ever disappointed you or ever done anything wrong? I'd say, how long have you got? Of course they have. But when, when, when you ask me what I think about them, I don't go to the mistakes. I go immediately to my orientation towards them, which is I love them. They're my children. Well, I wonder if you would ask the question today, what does God think about you? Do you, do you immediately think about your mistakes and the things you haven't done right? Uh, do you see God as an angry God or a punishing God? a God who loves you. If I, as an imperfect, flawed, fallible father, thank you for not saying amen, which I am because I've made mistakes. If I, as an imperfect father, have that approach to my children, what do you think God thinks and feels about us today? That's what John is saying. There's a God. Just look up. Just look in. But, but he's not angry. He's, he's not out to punish. God loves. God loves the world. 
Again, that word love is so common today, we, we almost overuse it. And we use this word love in so many different situations, it can kind of blur a little bit. Uh, in one sentence, I can say, I love ice cream, which I do. I love football, which I do. And I love Nicole, which I do. But how many know they're all different kinds of love? I don't kiss my ice cream cone. I don't lick my football. And I definitely don't kick Nicole. That would not be a good thing to do. You'll figure that out a little later. They're all different kinds of loves. And so when we say God loved, well, what does it actually mean? Well, this word love is it's far more of a decision than just a feeling. It's far more of an action taken for our benefit than just an emotion. God has feelings. God has emotions. But this love is a, a self-giving love, a love that does what's in our best interest. And so God so loved the world. This is another surprising word. You'd think it would have picked a nation like God loves Israel. Or today, God loves Australia or America or China or Russia. No, this is bigger than one nation. Or you think it would say, God so loved all the good people. You know, or, or God loved all the lovable people, or God loved all the Geelong supporters, like me, or God loves all the redheads in the world. I used to be a, a redhead. In fact, I was with some friends this week, and I was saying, yeah, my red hair's fading a little bit, and this long-term Fred said, Mark, uh, your red hair has faded. I said, thank you. God so loved, uh, you know, the, the, the people who really were nice. No, no, no. This is a broad, inclusive word. Uh, God so loved the world, the unloved, the unlovely, the people that don't even think about God. This is a broad welcome mat from heaven to all of humanity, regardless of race or gender or social status of which side of the tracks you were born on or not. God so loved the world. Augustine once said that God loves each one of us as if each one of us were the only one to love. God so loved the world, not, not, not just the person next to you or somebody else. God loves the world. Such a huge, universal love. God so loved the world that he gave. This is this unselfish giving. He didn't come to take from us. He, he gave. And what did he give us? He didn't send us an idea. Didn't send us another email. God knows we don't need another email or a Facebook like. God so loved the world that he sent not a handbook, not an idea. God sent his son. He sent himself in human form. As someone once said, if we needed more knowledge, God would have sent us an educator. If we needed more entertainment, God would have, uh, uh, would have sent us an entertainer. If, if we needed more technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If we needed more money, God would have sent us an economist. But because we needed forgiveness, because we needed a transformation on the inside of us, he sent a savior in the form of his son. So God so loved the world that he gave us what we needed, which was a, a savior, someone to help transform the inside of us. Because as we look inside and we know what's right and we know what's wrong, the truth is all of us have done things that are wrong and we've neglected to do things that are right. And we may feel a little better than the person next to us, but we all know we've, we've done wrong. Uh, simple illustration, if there were three planes leaving Melbourne today, 
and they're going to Perth and uh, one of them runs out of petrol uh, and has to land in Adelaide. It doesn't make it. The next one makes it all the way to Nullarbor and has to land there. It's run out of petrol. The next one uh, makes it about 20 kilometers short of Perth and has to land. Notice there's no hijacking or crashing, just, just ran out of petrol, just to clarify. Which of the three planes made it to Perth? None of them made it. Now, now, now the, the one that went to the Nullarbor could say, well, I went further than Adelaide. <laughs> you know, the other one could say, hey, well, I'm, I'm only 20 kilometers short. You know, they all went different distances, but they all fell short of their destination. And, you know, we can look around us and say, well, I'm a little bit better than them and I didn't do. We can compare ourselves, but the bottom line is all of us fall short of God's standard. We've all done wrong. And so we need forgiveness. We need a savior. And that's the good news is that God so loved us that he gave us what we need. He gave us his only son. That whoever, that's another surprising word. That whoever, it's, it's a big world. Who's, who's not a whoever? Everyone's a whoever. There's not one name in there. It's, it's whoever. It's, it's inclusive. It's broad. Whoever, whoever you are, this good news is for you. I think whoever implies however. However you may find yourself today, it's not about cleaning up your act or climbing up. It's about looking up to this God who, who loves you. I think this, whoever, not only implies however, I think it implies wherever you may find yourself. No one's too far from God. That prodigal son ended up in a pigsty, and even there, a long way from the father's house, as he turned, he was able to return and find that father's love again. You're never too far. You're never too low. And it's never too late. That Whoever implies a whenever. Have you ever got a, a gift certificate with an expiry date on it? Uh, I've had some of those. In fact, I got some movie tickets uh, uh, a few years ago and I took my whole family to the movies and we're all excited and I'm handing the tickets across and the lady with a straight face says, I'm sorry, sir, these expired yesterday. (laughs) I did my nice sympathy. Oh, look, I'm so sorry, I didn't know. You ever got one of those rule-keeping people? I'm sorry, sir, the company rules are. (laughs) A little disappointed. I had a gift, but I'd waited too long. You know, this doesn't have an expiry date on it. This doesn't have a use by date. Uh, There was a thief on a cross who lived a life of crime. And in the last dying moments of his life, he says, Jesus, would you remember me today? It's never too late. You're never too far. Never too low. It's never too late. Whoever, that whoever believes. This is another surprising word. Whoever believes. It doesn't say whoever works for. Whoever tries. It's it's whoever believes believes, to believe, to simply put your trust in what God has done, not in what you can do. A little earlier in this chapter, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a very religious person. He was a Pharisee, and the Pharisees spent a lot of time studying this moral code inside and the the Torah, the law, and they spent their life debating about what's right, what's wrong, what are the rules, and adding some interpretations for rules that weren't clear. Uh, Just an example, Uh, one of the Ten Commandments was keep the Sabbath. Remember it as holy. Don't do any work on the Sabbath. That's pretty clear. But, but what's work? And they used to debate about things like, is it okay to tie a knot in a rope on the Sabbath? These are really important issues. They would debate, if I tie a knot, is that work? And they would debate back and forth. You know what their conclusion was? If you can tie the knot with one hand, it's okay. 
But if it takes two hands, then you're working on the Sabbath. These were the kinds of things that Pharisees debated about. And so he's a rule keeper. He's about trying to do everything to please God. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, you've got it all wrong. You've got it all wrong. And Nicodemus, if you want to get into God's kingdom, God's world, you've got to be born again. You've got to have a complete transformation. And Nicodemus is going, born again? What, I go back into my mother's womb? This doesn't really make sense. And Jesus starts talking about what it means to be born again. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of being at the birth of a baby. I was at all three of our children's arrival. And, and, and a birth is an amazing experience to see a, a little life come into the world that's going to live forever. But if you've ever been at, at the birth of a baby, although you really love the baby, how many know the mother is the hero? There's obviously no mothers in this service. <laughs> I gave you an opportunity there. The mother's the one that carries the baby, that agonizes, that pushes, that gives birth. And when that baby arrives, you're excited about the baby, but how many know the mother deserves the medal? Yeah, give the baby a pacifier, give the mother a medal. Yeah, I'm getting a few claps now. There's some others going, yeah, I've been there, yeah. yeah. A great birth requires an able parent, not so much an able child. And when Jesus says you've got to be born again, it's not about you trying again. It's about God as a father. He does the work we trust and we allow his transforming work to take place in our hearts. Whoever believes, not whoever works for or tries. You know, it's so important to realize that Christianity is based on faith. That doesn't mean faith is passive, we just do nothing. There is action to faith, but our faith and our trust is on God and his ability to change us from the inside out. Uh, a well-known story that illustrates the, the, the truth, the reality of faith, is a, a story of a, a tightrope walker named Blondin. Last century, if you search Wikipedia, you'll, you can find about Blondin. He was an amazing tightrope walker. He used to walk across uh, uh, ropes over some amazingly dangerous places. There was one time in his career where he had a rope across Niagara Falls. You ever been to Niagara Falls? Amazingly wide, amazingly deep, and a lot of water. Just breathtaking to see Niagara Falls. And He put a rope across there. And there were crowds of people, and he would, uh, he would walk across the rope. People are holding their breath. Uh, he was there for days. He did some funny things on that rope. He actually one day got out there in the morning, and he cooked himself breakfast on the rope, as you do, you know, fried a little egg. And, uh, uh, another day, he was out there with a wheelbarrow, and uh, he, he actually walked the wheelbarrow all across the rope, across the falls, and people were just breathtaking at, at the amazing dexterity and skill of this tightrope walker. He then looked at the crowd and said, does anyone believe I could put someone in the wheelbarrow and take them across? Everyone goes, yeah, I believe, I believe. Yeah, there we, yeah, 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 you can do that. Then he goes, I'd like a volunteer. <laughs> How many know there's a big difference to go, I believe you can do that to actually get in the wheelbarrow? Faith is not just mental assent. Oh yeah, Jesus, salvation. Yeah, yeah. Faith is getting in the wheelbarrow. It's not becoming the tightrope walker. You don't have to do all that crazy stuff. But it's getting in the wheelbarrow. It's entrusting your life to Jesus. That's what faith is. It's active. Whoever believes, believes in him. It's really, really important words. In him. Later on, Jesus would say, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He didn't say, I know the way. He didn't say, let me show you the way. He said, I am the way. You know, we live today in a, in a day of many religions, and some people uh, wrongly say, well, all religions are basically the same. You know, all, all roads lead to heaven. Well, that's like saying all roads lead to Sydney, or all flo- flights go to Rome. How many know they don't? <laughs> that's not arrogant. That's just being honest. And although all religions have some similarities, there's some major differences between religions. Have a look at Islam, have a look at Buddhism or Hinduism or Judaism or even atheism. There's some major differences between what they believe and the claims of Jesus Christ. One of the major differences is most religions today are about what you do, D-O, what you do to earn favor with your God or to get to nirvana through so many reincarnations or even atheists. There is no God, you're your own savior, kind of make your own life. Most religions are about what you do to achieve something. Christianity is totally different. And it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done. D-O-N-E. That's a, that's a big difference. Christianity is what Jesus has done that I could not do for myself. And so the core message of Christianity is something called grace. It's a free gift. You don't need to do anything to earn it. You just simply believe. You trust. Like that baby, you're born. God's doing the work. God's carrying the wheelbarrow. You believe. You trust. But it's not about what you do. It's what Jesus has done for you. That's a primary difference. And that's why John's saying here, whoever believes in Jesus, believes in him as the way the truth, and the life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. How many like that word? Be nice to delete that word from the sentence, wouldn't it? Perish or dilute it a little bit. It sounds a bit harsh. Uh, What about hell? I believe hell is a real place. There's a lot of debates about hell today and a lot of questions. How could a loving God send people to hell? But John makes it very clear that What Jesus has come to do is to make sure that we don't perish, which means the possibility is there. Uh, John's best friend, Peter, later on would write a letter. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says this, God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Did you catch that? God is not willing that any perish perish, but that all come to repentance. That tells me that God is a hopeful universalist. You're very quiet. God's a hopeful universalist. It doesn't say God's chosen a few people to go to heaven and the rest he's just sending to hell because he doesn't like them. It's telling us that God's heart, God's desire is that no one perish, but that all come to eternal life. God's hoping that everyone will receive this good news. And he's going to do everything he can to make that a reality. He's going to be working. He's going to be reaching out. He's going to be moving by his spirit. He's going to be using people like you and I to help people hear about and respond to the good news. Is everyone going to respond? Well, people have free will. As C.S. Lewis once said, hell will probably be locked from the inside. Because there are some people that say, 
I don't want God. I don't want Jesus. I don't want any of that. And God respects their decision. But he's not, it's not his desire to send anyone to hell. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And that's why he sent Jesus. Can I have an amen on that one? Amen. That should not perish, but instead have eternal life. When we hear eternal life, we often think about heaven. And heaven is also a real place. I think there's a lot of myths about heaven. You know, you've seen those cartoons of some guy sitting on a cloud, marooned out in the sky somewhere, and the little caption says, I wish I bought a magazine. As if heaven's going to be a boring place. So you might have seen the other one with a, a line-up at the gates of heaven and a line-up to the gates of hell. And St. Peter at heaven says, here's your harp, and gives everyone a harp. And down below, it's here's your accordion. Sorry if you like accordions, it's just a joke. As if eternity will be some eternal sing-along. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, key change, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, key change, repeat. I think we have a lot of, uh, a lot of misunderstandings about what heaven will be like. Heaven has to be better than the greatest joys we have here on earth. And we actually don't know a lot about heaven other than it's a real place. But, you know, eternal life is not just about length of life or life after death. This is not just a fire escape from hell so that you can go to heaven when you die. Eternal life is not just about length of life. It's about quality of life. It's about God's life right here, right now. That's what's good news. It's not just waiting till we die. Eternal life is experiencing God's life right here in the present. And that comes from a connection with the life of God. And then allowing his life to live through us. It's characterized by qualities like love. To know that I am loved by God. He's my dad. And although I've made some mistakes, his orientation towards me is he loves me. To know that I'm loved and then to love him and then to love other people with the same kind of love. That's a quality of life. To, to have the peace of God in our heart. To just be at peace. I'm at peace with God today. I have the peace of God in my life. I'm at peace with other people as much as I can. You can't can't put a dollar figure on peace. Where do you buy peace? It's, It's God's life that he gives as a gift. To have joy. The Christian life is to be a life of joy. Some Christians need to let their face know. If we go around, look like we're baptized in lemon juice and say, you too, you too can be like me. That's, that's, that's not good news. The Christian life is to be a life of joy. You know, we don't have Jesus on DVD, but it says that children ran towards Jesus. What kind of people do children run towards? Someone who's got a smile, someone who has some joy, some enthusiasm about life. And so this eternal life is for life right here, right now. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. And those qualities aren't based on circumstances or a certain house that you own or car or job that you have or clothes. It's got nothing to do with externals. You, you can be a poor person. You can be in a very difficult situation and you can be full of love, full of peace and full of joy because of the life of Jesus Christ. And so this is the good news of Easter. Say it with me one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, this news is a possibility. It's a promise, but it needs responding to. You can hear that and you can just move on and it not impact your life. Or you can respond to it and say, 
Yes, I want to know a God like that. I want to receive his only son. I want to believe in him. I don't want to perish. I want that eternal life. This requires a response. It requires an answer. And there'll be many of us in this room that have heard this and responded and said, yes, I turn to Jesus. That's what repentance is. And I put my trust in him. If you're a Christian here today, as we were worshiping a little earlier, just felt this little phrase. Don't let the good news become old news. I'll say that again. Don't let the good news become old news. You, when you've heard something over and over, it can become old and we forget how good it really is. And so my prayer for you today, if you're a Christian, is that the old news today will become good news for you once again. God, you love me. It's not about what I do. It's about what you've done. And I can know your life right here, right? I pray that that would be good news afresh for you today. Don't, don't let it become familiar. Don't lose the joy of your salvation. Don't lose the wonder of what Easter is all about. There'll be others here today. I know we've got visitors and guests and people that may not have been at church for a while. You know, this Easter weekend, maybe the best thing that could happen to you is not another chocolate Easter egg, not another shopping sale or another long weekend or thank God it's Friday. Maybe the best thing that could happen for you this Easter weekend is you could respond to this message, to this good news and say, yes, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. I need a savior. I'm putting my trust in you. I want to believe in you. May that eternal life be my experience. Maybe that's your response today. And so uh, we're going to say a prayer in just a couple of moments. And I'd love to include you in that prayer. Let's close our eyes uh, and pray together. Father, I pray for everyone here today that's heard this good news before. God, may good news never become old news. Let us never become familiar with the old gospel story. May, May it be new. May it be fresh today. God, you loved me so much that you sent your son for me that I wouldn't perish but have eternal life. Lord, for those who are following you today, fill them afresh with your love, with your peace, with your joy. May they have eternal life right now in the midst of whatever circumstances they find themselves. I pray for that today. And just while I eyes are closed, we're going to say a prayer in a moment. And, and if you're here today, you say, that, look, Mark, you really spoke to me through the message today. God's talking to me. And maybe you've never heard this message. Or maybe you've heard it, but you never responded to it. And you say, yes, I want to turn to God today. I, I need forgiveness. I, I need eternal life. I want to know this God who loves me. I'd love to include you in this prayer. And so just while our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to do a very simple thing, just to raise your hand so I can see it. It's very simple, but it's, it's a way of going, God, I respond today. Would you mind doing that? No one's looking around. Just between you and God, myself, thank you. Hands going up on the ground floor here. God bless you. Who else today? Just under the balcony. One, two, three, four over there. God bless you at the back. How about up in the balcony? Just, just That's me today. I need forgiveness. I need a Savior. I need that eternal life. I need a God who loves me. I need to know him today. Just just put your hand up so I can see it. Just a way of going, yes, God. Yes, God. Hands going up all over. Thank you so much. In the overflow room, would you lift your hand up? Just say, yeah, that's me. Yes, God. Yes, God. I respond to this good news. Sign me up. (laughs) Sign me up. I need that. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down once you've raised it. Thank you so much. Just just another minute. If you're a Christian, just, just be praying. This, this could be the most important day in, in, in people's lives today where good news actually becomes their news. 
their news. Just another minute. If I've missed anybody, we're not here to pressure anybody. If you've still got some questions, that's why we have Alpha. Uh, we, we see everyone on a journey. But maybe you're here going, yeah, this is my moment. I, I'm ready. I don't understand it all, but I need God in my life. Would you raise your hand if you haven't already? Just lift it up nice and high, up in the balcony, hands going up. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down now. We're going to say a prayer. It's not a magic formula. Just some words I'm going to get you to repeat after me. And just mean this from your heart. Use this as a connection, a response to God today. Church, would you say this with me, including all those that lifted their hands? Dear God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to die for my sin. Please forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit. Make me your child. Give me that eternal life. And when my life is over, I know I'll spend eternity with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I know in heaven you said there's more joy over one person that's a little far from you who takes a step towards you than over 99 that uh, have already heard that story. And so I know heaven's throwing a party right now with many names on it. And we rejoice with them, Lord, that they're hearing good news, responding to good news. And so I pray today would be like the turning of a page and a new chapter, a new beginning of of walking and living with you. And so I pray a blessing on each one of these people today. We celebrate with them in Jesus' name. Amen. How about we thank God for what he's done today. Awesome. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.